Pornography and sex deviation have always been with mankind. Coming up, we're taking a closer look at the booming sex tech industry, focused on tickling the clits of the world. Hi, Bobby. Women Watching Porn, a podcast. Hello, and welcome to Women Watching Porn, a podcast about sexuality and pleasure and masturbation. I'm here in the studio with my co-hosts, Maxie and Laura. Hi, ladies. Hi, Hi Chris. Chris. How are we all doing today, Laura? Yeah, all good. It's, the, it's sunny. The sun is shining. We're happy. Everything is nice. That's true. Spring is sprung. Spring is sprung. are you feeling springish? Absolutely. I'm just laughing because I'm not sure I've heard Laura ever say, like, everything is nice. (laughs) Well, there you go. There's a first. Things are nice today. (laughs) There's something we can add to the list of things Laura does like. Spring. (laughs) Well, only this spring. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, good. No other springs. (laughs) Not necessarily other springs. Other springs are not guaranteed. So, ladies, who's been watching porn? Anybody? No. Yeah, too busy springing, huh? Maxie, any porn? Yes, I've been masturbating and watching porn. I've been on one lately. That's so good. Working on yourself. Spring pussy. Mm -hmm. Maybe I saw that Kegel training that we did. Who knows? Oh, Mm -hmm. yeah. Are you feeling the Kegel training we did is helping your orgasms become more intense and pleasurable? Not necessarily more intense, but I feel it's easier to orgasm. And especially after I had sex, I can feel myself pulsate stronger and, and like longer. You are an inspiration. Fascinating. I need to get that thing and stick it back up me like ASAP. Stick it in. Yeah, squeeze. I'm yeah, doing it now. Recommend it. I'm doing it now. Laura, are you doing it now? <laughs> of course. <laughs> when am I not doing it? You're always I'm always doing it. <laughs> <laughs> so I've been watching support and honestly... I've been a little disappointed lately because I feel like we've come so far on this podcast understanding more about the porn industry and that my tastes have really changed because I'm having a hard time consuming porn unless I feel like it's ethical, ethically sourced, if the people are being paid well, if the bodies are not normative, if it's if it's not gender normative. And then it's like really narrowing the field for me. Like it's kind of icked my yum. I icked my own yum. Like by Mm. understanding too much about the porn industry. And I feel like there's, while there's so much cool shit being made and more and more stuff that I do feel good about, it's still such a narrow field and it's, it's a little disappointing. How are you feeling with that, Maxie? Uh, I have a very similar experience where I still go to Pornhub every once in a while, but then I, you know, my brain starts ticking. I'm like, oh yeah, mm, oh no, who knows if this is consensual. So like you say, too normative, too standard, milf this, incest that. Mm -hmm. Uh, People don't really seem to be having fun. It seems very dry. No one's using lube. So I tend to go more and more to all those porn subscriptions for Mm -hmm. my private use that we have for this podcast. We have so many (laughs) subscriptions on this show. Yeah, and I do, it just makes... Not only does it make me feel personally better, but I would not want to promote another porn we didn't pay for on this podcast. I know, 100%. We've learned so much. We've come We've so far. so much, I know. So much coming. I'm proud of us. So far to go. <laughs> well, enough about us. We have with us a special guest from Southern California, uh, my dear friend, Rachel. Welcome to Women Watching Porn. How are you doing? Hello, ladies. I'm great. I'm excited to talk with you guys today. 
Hi, Rachel. Hi. Hi. So, Rachel, tell us a little about yourself. Who are you? What do you do? Hi, everyone. I'm Rachel. I'm in Los Angeles, California. And um, amongst other things, I am a publicist. I do public relations for companies, uh, specifically tech companies and early stage startups. And I happen to do quite a bit of work in the femtech and sex tech space. So I'm super excited to be here to hang out with you guys and hopefully share some cool tidbits about sex toys. That's really interesting, Rachel. I'm seeing a boom in this industry. Like it's hard to look on social media and not just be completely marketed to by the next new thing. It's a little overwhelming because it's it's wonderful and beautiful, but like who's making all this stuff and how is this happening? Do you have any insight into what's going on in the sex industry, especially when it's to vagina owners right now? Yeah, it's really interesting. It, there very much is a boom right now. Um, I would say that like historically there have been a few major players in um, in the industry that have been pr- producing products for a really long time. But in the last five years, like five to 10 years, uh, slowly you've seen more and more like women uh, pop up with an interest in designing products that are specifically for them. A lot of the uh, big players early on were designed by men or their companies owned by men. These products, as you can imagine with a lot of the porn that you've watched, uh, were made through the male gaze. So like, you know, there's nothing wrong with uh, a hot pink dildo, but there's a lot of them on the market. And so there's a lot of women who, uh, you know, will walk into, they'll have this experience of walking into a sex store and, um, that can be a really like powerful and transformative experience the, the first time or the first few times, or maybe, uh, maybe it takes you a couple times to get comfortable walking into that space. Um, but anyways, you have this experience of going in and then you're like, oh, this is all I have to choose from. Like, you know, it's it's like going into a clothing store and nothing there is your style. So what mm-hmm. we've seen is um, a lot of really awesome founders decide, you know what, I'm going to try to um, reinvent this or I'm going to try to make this something that is aesthetically interesting to me. Um, and so the result has been this like boom in all these uh, all different varieties of kinds of, um, of sex toys and pleasure products and products that solve problems, um, that people don't necessarily talk about because, you know, when we have, uh, problems with sex or in our relationships or, or, you know, in the bedroom, we tend to, I mean, hopefully people are having sex outside of the bedroom, but you know, we tend to just decide that this is something that's wrong with us and not something that is a shared experience. And so, um, part of the boom has been, um, women having the access to other, uh, women through the internet and through different communities to say like, Hey, this problem isn't actually just my burden Mm -hmm. to bear. And maybe I can design something that supports that. So, um, there's all kinds of like cool and interesting products out there right now. Like, yes, there's a million different kinds of vibrators. Um, there's like a really interesting trend right now that, uh, a lot of vibrators are very sculptural looking, you know, they look more like modern art than they do like a, like a hot pink dildo. Um, one of my favorite inventions of the last, um, five or six years, whatever it actually, I think it came out in 2014, um, is a vibrator necklace called the Vesper by Crave. I'm a, I'm guessing <laughs> one of you might own one already, or at least know of it. <laughs> um, because I know it's, it's a beautiful piece of jewelry and it looks like, um, a, uh, almost like a nail 
and uh, like a very long nail and it's a vibrator that you wear as like a very stylish piece of jewelry. And so there's something so fascinating to me about, um, you know, something that is so personal, a vibrator and making it into something that you wear very publicly because it's a, Mm -hmm. it's a conversation starter, right? Like you, you wear it and either someone asks you and is like, wow, what a beautiful piece of jewelry. What is that? And you're like, Oh, it's a vibrator. Um, or someone recognizes it because it is sort of like, you know, a, a known, um, looking piece of jewelry. And so, you know, when someone recognizes it, there's almost like this like wink and nudge from it. So, Mm -hmm. so I just think it's very interesting that, um, you know, there's this design trend to push things into conversational spaces. So whether that's like your sculptural toy sitting out on your dresser, because it's, it's not something that necessarily has to be hidden or a piece of jewelry. I just think that it's so fascinating the way that, um, women have, shown up to the pleasure product table with such fascinating ideas. Um, I could like, yeah, I could talk forever about all the interesting products that are out there, but like, it's, it's a really wonderful time in the sex product space. Yeah. I, I love the, the angle of putting it out there more. And that's why we do this podcast is to have those hard conversations so people can understand they're not alone. Um, so I'm, I'm curious about the sex health stuff that you've seen. Like we just did uh, a little adventure in pelvic floor health and that mm-hmm. was really fun for all of us to try it. I'm wondering what else is out there. Yeah. Well, so the, the pelvic floor trainer that, that, uh, I think y'all tried, um, is an mm-hmm. insertable and I know that there are different, mm-hmm. um, you know, different companies are iterating different kinds of, uh, pelvic floor trainers, both insertable and not. And so I know that like there are companies that have been working on, uh, something that is not, um, like vagina insertion specific that way, uh, because, you know, men also have pelvic floors. Also some men have vaginas. There are developments happening in that space. There's a really great product called a drip stick by a company called awkward essentials. And essentially it looks like, um, it looks like a large like tampon on a stick sort of, but it's not cotton. Like it does, it's not the same consistency I'll say, but it's for after sex cleanup. They have this really brilliant product video where they show it, uh, inserting into a Twinkie and cleaning out the cream of the Twinkie. (gasps) The drip stick is making (laughs) sense now. (laughs) So it's just like a post sex cleanup for, you know, and it's so, it's such a brilliant little product. Um, I just, absolutely. And their marketing is hilarious. The voice of the product is quite funny. Um, it doesn't take itself too seriously, which is another piece about, um, the direction that sex products are going that I really appreciate is that like, I definitely um, cringe at some of the language sometimes in porn or the way that people talk about sex products. I'm just like, ooh, that feels weird. It feels like my parents talking about it. <laughs> um, <laughs> but with but theirs is like a very playful voice. Um, I, f- I feel like the um, the ways that the marketing is happening in some of these products is very interesting. Yeah, I would say I love that the industry is shifting to more people who have vaginas making toys for vaginas. I think it's really apparent when you go on those walls and you look into the store and you can see something that's meant to wrap around your clitoris, um, the hood of your clitoris, and it's, it's shaped round instead of oval. You're like, who made this? 
But it's obviously someone who's never seen a clip before in their, in their life, right? So I love to hear that this is like, you know, happening and that, that there's just a bit more things focused around pleasure for women and less about the aesthetic of women. Absolutely. And and to, to your point on that specifically, like, I think there's also... Um, that, like women have noticed that like people who don't have clits design these things that are made for clits or vulvas or, or vaginas. And, and I think a perfect example is like dual stimulation vibrators that both insert mm-hmm. and have external stimulation. I don't know about you guys, but like it, I've tried so many that just mm-hmm. aren't the correct distance from your like G, mm-hmm. G- yes. spot mm-hmm. to your external like clit, like erogenous zone. And I think it's so interesting that it's taken... We're all furiously <laughs> nodding. <you know>? Yeah. <laughs> like lots of awkward angles as well, yeah. where it's like kind of hurts a bit because it's mm-hmm. at the wrong angle, mm-hmm. not into mm-hmm. it. Yeah, we feel that. Yeah. And so I think... so. <laughs> Uh, like I am happy to report that there are now vibrators on the market that have like a very smart hinge system where you can adjust the like insertable arm and the like external like clit piece to fit not only the correct uh, shape, but also the correct distance and intensity. So like you can, it's it's incredible. Like, and it's women that are designing these things, right? found something so cute and delightful and I'm really excited to show you and there is a little bit of sex tech a a nod to sex tech Um, this is from a wonderful series called The Crash Pad from the extension of the fantasy from the iconic queer film The Crash Pad Uh, and I just think it's really cute so let's watch some porn yes Yes. please For today's episode, we watched Crash Pad Series Episode 273, starring Golden Curls and Vivienne Vai, one curly-haired fan with pierced nipples and tattoos, wearing metallic underwear and knee-high socks, playing the submissive role in this scene. It also stars one flogger-wielding slim person with an asymmetrical black hair and facial piercings in a turquoise tie-dye top, playing the dominant role. The performers call each other Daddy and Princess. Princess turns on all fours, exposing her exemplary buttocks for a spanking. Daddy flogs her with panache, twirling the flogger like an expert. They start out flirtatious. There is a lot of talking, with Daddy spanking Princess in response to a cheeky comment. One interesting feature of this scene is that we don't always see the body part being hit. We often see Princess's face or her buttocks from the angle of her head. We also don't really see vagina close-ups in the way that we're used to in more mainstream productions. Daddy ties Princess's legs apart with purple rope and attaches pads of a TENS machine like the kind you might encounter at the physiotherapist to her labia. We don't see this until the shot changes to show Daddy flogging Princess's vulva. The dynamic between the two performers is notable for its sweetness and caring and its playfulness. I want you to behave, says Daddy, but I don't like behaving, replies Princess. This scene contains a lot of giggles and a lot of checking in, a lot of Daddy asking if Princess can take it or if something feels good. It feels like they know each other well. Daddy inserts a buzzing butt plug that appears to be activated by Princess's voice, and to top it all off, hands Princess a magic wand, so there are now three sources of stimulation. Daddy also inserts a huge, bulbous, wobbling dildo 
into Princess's vagina to complete the sensory overload. When Daddy asks why Princess didn't tell them she was coming, she replies, oh, it was just a little one, while giggling. selection. I loved it. Laura, how are you feeling? I think that was a fantastic selection. I really enjoyed that. They were so cute. Right? The chemistry, how loving and caring and kind, but also kinky and BDSM. I loved one of the things I really liked was the the angles weren't the typical angle where it wasn't fo- the focus of this was not insertion mm. and the, those super close-up angles. You know how I feel about those super close-up angles. It was about <laughs> the people and their connection and the emotions and not about like things going into human holes. Yeah. Without it being overly emotional, like there weren't, there weren't, there wasn't much romance there, but there was so sweet and caring. There was a lot, a lot of uh, consent. They were, were asking, checking in with each other and they were giggling and laughing all the time, making fun. And yeah, that was so sweet. And there was something we'd never seen before, which, Laura, is a pretty big deal for us, I think. What was that attached to the labia? Rachel, what do you think was <laughs> happening there? What kind of technology was this thing? <laughs> yeah, it, uh, I mean, it, it was a TENS machine. And I've never, uh, I've never seen a TENS machine used uh, as a sex toy. But I, I guess it, it, there's every reason to think that it would be safe if set up cor- correctly. Yeah, so it's one of those, mm-hmm. it's one of those things that like the acupuncturist puts on your muscles or your physical therapist to contract your muscles. And mm-hmm. it feels like little needles, like electric, electric shock. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. There's definitely like toys that are like those little electroshock like wands. I, I've used one of those before and like it's a very focused needly um, sensation. And so it's almost like it's too focused for me personally. Um, and I feel like the TENS machine, like the because the electroshock is happening around like a like a two inch by two inch pad area that actually like, I can imagine how that would be really, really nice feeling or like, Mm -hmm. and like, like a really fun intensity. I feel like Laura, you've been electrically shocked before. Tell us. Ah, well, it's been a really long time. I have to say girls, (laughs) I had, probably not since I was about 21, but yes. And there's those violet wand things, you know, that, that, The goth BDSM contingent tend to really like, they're really beautiful, they glow purple in the dark, and they look very impressive, and they give you that kind of crackly sensation that's very interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think I've ever had electric vag shocks, you know. Uh, That seems very intense. I mean, you know, try anything once, but... yeah, I, w- I do wonder what this TENS machine felt like, because I've only ever encountered that at the physiotherapist, you know? Yeah, but it seems like a not-try-at-home not kind of thing. These were professionals. True. I don't think we should, we should be encouraging people to strap electric, yeah. ma- <laughs> electric shock <laughs> devices to our partners, but it did look fun. Mm. I know. I, in my everyday life, Chris knows this about me because we've been friends for a very long time. Like, I'm such a rule follower in like my like outside life that the idea of applying this like 
medical thing, this like medical device feels uh, dangerous to me in a way where I'm like, ooh, like I would try it, but I would want to make sure it's mm. safe. Like I'd want to ask like a doctor or something first or, or consult a professional because, you know, it did seem like they definitely knew what they were doing. Yeah. yeah. I think at least I'd want to know where exactly you can and cannot stick it. How close to the clitoral hood, how or clitoral gland, how close to the inner labia, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, like the limits of what you're not supposed to do so mm -hmm. that you don't damage mm -hmm. something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, here was clearly on the outer labia from what we could tell, right? But very close to the clitoral hood. Mm, was wrapped around mm -hmm. it, so it was surreal. I, yeah, I imagine it was just contracting the whole <laughs> pelvic floor the whole time. And it, oh, one thing we forgot to mention is it was activated by the voice. It was voice activated. So the more the person that was being shocked was, was moaning or laughing or giggling or screaming, the higher intensity it seemed that the shocking was. Was that on purpose or did she just feel it more? When she was talking, I understood that she felt it more when she was giggling. She felt her giggle in her vag, she said. No idea. I had the feeling it was some kind of interactive thing, but it was the butt plug. No? Oh. I don't know. Are there sec uh, voice-activated sex toys, Rachel? I, I've never used one. I, I believe there could be one. I know <laughs> that there's a lot of sex toys that um, use like an interactive app. So you can have like a partner control it with an app. Um, from, you know, either the same room or far away. Like I do know some like long distance couples that have used these toys, like, you know, to have, you know, like video sex or, you know, if you're away from your partner, like they can control this um, device or, or you can control it with your phone. But um, I don't know mm -hmm. about voice activated ones. I have a question about that, about the app. Who's collecting that data? What are they doing with it? <laughs> that's a that's a great question, and and it is I think one of the pieces of the of like the sex tech world that that a lot of people are curious about and still figuring out. I think some companies um, don't collect any of the data. Um, uh, I know that like for um, some of the like personalized programmable vibrators, you program it on like a, a web platform that um, through the serial code of the vibrator and not through an account that you have to start so that it doesn't store any of the data except to the device itself. Mm -hmm. So like, you know, there are like great little like bullet vibes that you can customize the settings to like, not just the like, you know, 10 settings that it comes with, like you can, you know, log in to with the serial number and, and wow. like many different kinds of constant, you can program nothing but like different variations of constant vibration. You can um, change up the vibrational patterns to what you're looking for. Um, and so I know that that data is not stored, but as far as the like app based ones that I don't yeah. know. It and like it would be good data to share too. It makes me nervous, but at the same time, what could we possibly do with this to enhance pleasure and mm -hmm. learn more about orgasms and what's working. So part of me thinks that, wow, this is an opportunity. And the other part of me is freaked out like everything technology. Yeah. I think that's true of all data, right? Like data can either be something that can be used for uh, insidious reasons, or it can be used to improve people's lives. A company called Lioness has a, a dual stimulation vibrator that, um, uh, they used some of the orgasmic data to create a project called Artgasm 
that like sort of maps out like the uh, vibrational patterns of the orgasms into an art piece, which was very cool looking. Beautiful. Yeah, it was gorgeous. Um, and I'd have to go back and it was a couple of years ago. So I'd have to go back and like relook at the, the details of it. But I'm pretty sure the data was all anonymized um, and that nobody um, it's, that's a very ethical company as far as I've, as far as I know. So I, I, you know, I trust that it was done for artistic purposes and not for exploitative data. But do I think that there are companies that could, that have the capability to be exploitative of data? Yeah, absolutely. Because it's, because tech is that way. There are, you know, for every ethical company, there's a non-ethical one. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think it's probably a good idea for people to, you know, at least look into the company's like ethos and um, to determine, you know, if they are going to have access to your data, you know, what you're comfortable with. I think everyone has a different level of comfort with their identity and their data. Yeah. Do your own research. Always the way. For sure. I mean, if you're going to research, like, uh, I'm because I'm wearing my headphones, so I'm going to use this example. But if you're going to research, like, what the best headphones are, like, you should absolutely research, like, what the best vibrators are, or like, what at least some of the different features are. Uh, also, I think, you know, I'm I'm always always a big fan of talking to shop staff. Uh, a lot of sex store staff is are really really educated and knowledgeable about mm -hmm. the products that they carry. And like, you don't have to mm -hmm. purchase like right away when you go in there, you can do your research online. You can talk to staff at the shop. You can talk to your friends. Like the, the boom of sex toys, like also with that comes with lots and lots and lots of publications online that are talking about all the features and different elements of the different devices that you may or may not like. Do your research. There's now a whole world of the internet that isn't on you know, porn sites right. that may seem intimidating. Like you can literally go to Cosmopolitan and look up like their favorite, mm -hmm. like their lists of favorite sex toys. You can, every major like beauty publication and, and even tech publications now are starting to publish reviews of sex toys. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Wire, Wired Magazine now has like a dedicated person who reviews their vibrators. I love Amazing. it. Amazing. Finally. Yeah. What a, time. what a time to be a vagina owner. <laughs> yes. <laughs> unless you're unless you're Laura because she hates everything that vibrates. I do not like vibrators. I'm not into it. I must be the only person in the world. Yeah, the Laura, there's there's also toys that don't vibrate now. Like there's a few devices that have come out that are um, focused on like micro robotic motion instead Ooh. of vibration. That's interesting. Oh, give us some recommendations because I think this is an interesting thing to have from someone who is a you know somewhat of an expert in the field. Some you know. Perhaps some of our listeners also aren't vibrator fans. Yeah, totally. So you, if you don't like vibration, you want to look for something that has like a rotational ball in it. Um, and so there's a few, I think Lalo has one. Um, I believe Satisfier has one. And then another company called Laura DiCarlo has one. Um, and essentially it's a, it's just a moving ball that replaces this uh, vibrational component and and a lot of them have settings where you can layer the vibration with the movement but yeah I mean like I don't know what the insides of all of those devices look like but um you know they they run on some sort of motor and and the the pressure of the of the small ball uh you know replicates like a finger or a tongue and the mm. you can uh, change the intensity of of how the ball either moves or pulsates. I've also seen really cool new toys where um, the the way that the motor in it um, 
moves is it doesn't it doesn't move the ball in a circular motion instead it is like a percussive like tapping almost which can be mm -hmm. very very nice mm -hmm. uh, stimulation yeah so if if you're a person who's um you know vibration has just never been your thing or if that is too intense for your vulva there are definitely some fun options now yeah the other uh technology that a lot of toys are using now is air pressure um mm -hmm. to um, really like rest nicely in your clitoral hood and like create this um, suction and like blowing pressure mm -hmm. through like an, a dual air chamber. Um, and those are lovely. Mm -hmm. Yes, they are. We're fans over here. Yeah, a bit mm -hmm. intense for yes, me, but I love you it. you guys have recommended this. I mm -hmm. still haven't tried one. It's okay. You have jackhammer hand. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we're this, never going to let that die. This is never going to leave. <laughs> yeah. No, no. There's, it's, it's forever now. It's on the internet. <laughs> well, this has been wonderful. Rachel, thank you so much for joining us and watching some beautiful porn with us. Uh, yeah. Enjoy sunny Southern California, and we'll see you next time. Thank you. Thank Bye. you. was When We're Watching Porn, hosted by Chris, Maxi, and Laura. Thanks to Daniel for our title music. Thank you for listening. To support us, go to womenwatchingporn.com and click donate. Don't forget to subscribe on your podcast platform of choice. Follow us on Instagram at womenwatching and Twitter at womentalkporn. Porn.